global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Hello, and thanks for tuning in today. Rod here at A Better Way to Farm, where we improve yields and increase profits. And we're excited about today's episode, and we're just excited to have you here and and be a part of that. But we have a special guest speaker today, and we're going to share some ideas here with you, some things that you might think about to help improve that yield and increase that profit as we go throughout the growing season. You know, all across the heartland right now, the corn is really varied. We've got guys who were very dry, and so some of their corn is almost stunted, so to speak, and running behind. We've got some other people who are up and running and and tasseled already here in early July. And we're excited for them, too. We're going to talk about a concept here to implement, something to think about this year, and something to definitely think about next year. What we're referring to is using potassium sulfate. We have a product that is a potassium sulfate. It is very clear, very pure, very low salt, very safe to use in a lot of different applications. This is a product that we have been blessed to have for several years, and it has made a big difference in a lot of farming operations. But rather than have me tell you about it, I am really lucky tonight to have a really good friend who farms up in Northeast Iowa, and this is one of his favorite things to use. And I'd like to welcome Andy. Andy, thanks for being on the call tonight. Thanks for the invite. Tell us what you're doing right now. What are you doing at this very moment? I am currently Y-dropping nitrogen on corn. (laughs) Okay. And so uh, what kind of sprayer are you running? Uh, I got a 2020 Hagee, STS-12. 2020 Hagee, and you're out Y-dropping right now. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about is how to maybe do something a little more successful in our our Y-drop, something else that we could do and and make it work. But, Andy, I appreciate you. You've been working with us for how many years now? Five years, though. Excellent. We've enjoyed getting to know you in that relationship. So, Andy, let's talk about the potassium sulfate product. I know you're basically using it multiple times throughout the growing season. First of all, before we talk about how you're using it, I want to talk about, you know, what is it and why are you so excited to be using so much of this product? Well, I tell you, this spring, this summer, early, late spring, early summer, really made me a huge believer seeing with the drought this summer. We've been exceptionally dry up here. And there's been an awful lot of cornfields showing potassium deficiencies. And as I drove around this summer spraying and then early wide dropping before we got any rains up here, you could actually very noticeably tell my farms from the neighbors because mine never showed a potassium deficiency that super drought, everybody with a just a dry program that dry product has to get into liquid solution and if it doesn't rain for six to eight weeks consecutively it's very hard for that dry pellet to become liquefied so using an already liquid solution took care of that for us absolutely you know it's it's kind of odd andy because i've noticed that even i've had people contact me reaching out and they're going man we're what's this yellow striping? And that is the deal. It's not a stripe, but it's the yellow edges of the leaves all the way around. It just looks like they're burnt. It looks like yep. you literally burnt the plant up. And as I drive, I see it everywhere. I talk to people who say, man, my K levels are three, 400. My base saturation's five, 6%. Those are high, high numbers. And yet they're showing up as potassium deficient. And the bottom line is when it's this dry, even though the high K in the soil cannot become available and get into that plant. And so, Andy, talk to us 
when you put this on, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're actually applying it two different ways when you're doing your planning. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. I use it both in furrow through the furrow jets. And then again, in my side band, my two by two by two on the planter, I put it in both of those fertilizer bands. That way the plant hits it at two different growth stages. And, and I, I help get more of that potassium product out there early and plant available that way. Absolutely. Now in the furrow jet, because you're using the furrow jet, you're applying uh, actually a 215-19-3. And how many gallons of that are you putting in there? Uh, I do a total of 12, six right on the seed and then three in each wing. Okay. And by doing that 12 gallon, you're putting on about two gallon of the potassium sulfate product. And it is important to understand, guys, if he didn't have furrow jets, we would not exceed six gallon per acre. And that would be five gallon of 318.18 and a gallon of the 002517. But the furrow jets give you a lot of, lot, lot, lot of options there. So how much are you putting on in your two-by-two band, and what else is going in that band with? In my side band, I put 32%, and I also put ATS, trying to get a little more sulfur out there early. We've seen a massive response to additional sulfur up front. And then I also put between one and two quarts of boron, depending on my soil test and what they're calling for. And then our KTS product is the other one that I put in the side band. So I run and 18 how- gallons of uh, 32 and ATS and a 90-10 blend, and then our potassium thiosulfate is two gallons, and then I run, it's fairly chilly normally up here in northeast Iowa when we're planting, so I run two gallons of water with that two gallons of KTS to help keep it in suspension. Otherwise, it's just too heavy of a load, and we have some issues if we don't add a little water with it. And I want to make sure that the people are understanding as they listen to this and they're thinking for 2024 and a lot of that planning is already starting for the next growing season. But yeah, some suggestions that we have are we never exceed a ratio of more than one to 10. We put in one gallon of KTS for every 10 gallon of the other stuff that's in there. And then if it is cold and like you said, you guys are chilly up there, then we would also highly encourage that you have that be cut 50-50 with water before you add it in. And when you do that, it takes away all of the aggravation and everything works great. So talk to us about that. How does this product mix with other things? What's the purity of it? How are you liking that? So if you mix it with water before you mix it with 32, it mixes wonderfully. Our first year, we thought we could mix our 32 in water and then add this KTS. And that does not work. So when he said mix the KTS (laughs) and the water before you put it in the 32, (laughs) <laughs> Let my mistake be your lesson pre-mix them. Um, as long as you do that, we have not had any issues mixing it with our 32. We usually get some 28 late in the season, you know, in, in September, October. No issues with the mixing with that. Boron mixes right with it. Our nitrogen stabilizer we run mixes right with it. Yeah, so I've had zero mixing issues as long as I add the water to it. So, yeah, anything else I've ever tried to mix with it, I've had excellent luck. And it is completely clear, a very pure product. No discoloration, no impurities. And the thing I really like about it is it is non-corrosive. Yeah, that's kind of a big plus in today's world. Of that, that sprayer you're driving is kind of spending. You don't want to put anything in there that's more corrosive than what you're already doing. And the planters are kind of spending, and we want to make sure we're doing the right thing there. So let's talk about this, Andy. I know this year is the year that you've seen really visual results. 
tremendous visual result because you are not potassium deficient. Your corn is not looking like it burnt up on all the edges of the leaves. But let's talk about, I mean, you've been doing this for several years. Why are you putting on this volume of this potassium sulfate product? What are you getting out of it? What are you seeing with it? So prior to switching to our liquid program, our liquid fertility, we did a dry spread program. Started, well, Dad started farming in 1968. Some of this ground, he started farming in the 70s and 80s. And he'd been in a build program for years with potassium chloride, the dry product. And our, our soil levels just never seemed to get any higher. They just always stayed, honestly, kind of low. So we went, after two years, we soil tested. And, you know, well, the first year we soil tested, and it called for six gallons like we're putting out there. And then we soil tested two years after that to see what our soil levels were doing. And they had increased, I won't say exponentially, but significantly higher than we'd ever seen from our dry program. So we're, we're seeing our soil levels building without any dry spread. So that's why we're continuing. We're getting our soil levels from the marginal borderline low to adequate starting to creep up towards the high range from running six gallons over the last five years. That's a pretty good movement in just five-year time, though. You know, it's like you said, Andy, we see people who've been in build programs for a long time, 10 years, 20 years. And I would encourage everybody to go back through the podcast platform and we've done two different podcasts with Dr. Mulvaney from University of Illinois talking about the potassium paradox, talking about dry versus liquid, talking about the things that we can do to build those soil levels. And I think people should listen to those because as we dive into potassium itself, it's important to understand that, A, what is sufficient is dependent upon the CEC level. In other words, if you're farming ground like I have with a CEC of 12, my level will never get as high as somebody who is farming with a CEC of 20, they're going to have to have a lot more parts per million to be classified in that high range. And where we live, you can't hardly make put enough on. You know, you can make it snow, you can make it deep, you can make the pounds out there, but it doesn't move the needle on the soil test. And Dr. Mulvaney will get into all of that. I'm just going to encourage you rather than recap it, I'm going to encourage you to go to that. And then the second thing is, is we've got to remember that the way potassium goes into the plant is, Plants grow down, the hair roots grow in between the soil colloids. They exude an acid. That acid extracts the potassium and draws it back into the plant. And so if we pack that soil, the tighter it is, and potassium chloride will help to pack that soil tighter, as will anhydrous, those two things will actually reduce the amount of available potassium that's there for that corn plant. And so basically what you've done, Andy, is you figured out how to get on the right side of this, you're applying a product that doesn't compact anything, and you're force-feeding a significant amount of K into that plant, you know, several gallon, four gallon there early and two more late when you Y-drop, and then I assume you are not bailing your residue, you're leaving your residue in the field? Correct, yep. Because the bottom line is I've had multiple people who have built their K levels, and the key to the deal is you force-feed it into the plant, and then you leave the residue there, a better, more balanced residue, and that residue becomes available K for the next growing crop. You know, Andy, there's that study that was done in, at Purdue, published at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, and they talked about what the difference is in uptake. You know, a, a corn crop growing 175 bushel takes about 250 pounds of K into the plant, 250, 255. Just to move from 175 bushel to 250, so that's about a little over a 50% increase in yield. 
but the uptake went from 255 to over 450 pounds per acre. And so you've got the four-speed K in there earlier. You'll never get enough in. So, Andy, what would you say to an individual who was, you know, thinking about maybe I do need to do something different on potassium here? What's your recommendation for them? How would they get started? Personally, I think that the early K is probably the biggest thing. If you start out deficient, you, you can't ever come back and, and add those bushels back you lost by being deficient early. So I would encourage anyone, if they're, they're thinking they need to do something different, to look at a starter system and get some high-K starter right off the bat. I think that's going to be your best money spent. And you don't have to start with the Taj Mahal. You don't need to go directly to precision plantings, V-apply HDs, and, and every row control. You can a real simple electric pump and, and orifices and, and run that way should be my recommendation. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we have a saying, one of the things that we kind of a tagline here is we don't want to let what we cannot do interfere with what we can. And sometimes we try to figure out that perfect system, as you said, the super spendy, high dollar, I can't do that right now system, so we don't do anything. And the reality is we put on a more of a, a lower end system, but yet it increases our yield and helps us get the money together so we can go do that higher end system later. So that would be a great recommendation. Anything else you'd want to encourage people to take a look at or to do, Andy? For this year yet, if you're you're not done, you know, if you've got somebody coming to wide drop for you or you got your own wide drops. I would recommend getting some PTS and, and mixing it in with your 32. And you can force feed that K into that plant late, and you can actually, not significantly, but you can probably build your K levels in your soil a little bit yet this year and add some, some K and, and make that plant drink it, not Absolutely. add to your, you know, your unrecoverable soil bank. You can add it to your recoverable material. Right in that residue. So that is correct. Did you get any rain here in the last couple of weeks? What's things looking like up there for you guys? Uh, we did finally get some rain the other day. To be honest with you, we were strongly debating for a long time if we were going to wide drop. We had had, uh, I believe, 1,800s of rain from planting until about 10 days, two weeks ago. We finally got uh, an inch and a half. That was our first really measurable rain since planting. So the really nice thing about this product and being able to add it to our wide drop is if we wouldn't have got any more rain and we never pulled the trigger on it, we'd have had two gallons to the acre to carry forward the next year. So, You know, and I think, Andy, that's one of the big pluses of our system is that you don't have to put, you know, a lot of guys out here on a dry broadcast, they go out in the fall and they lay down everything. They, they lay down all their money on a bet when they haven't seen the card yet because you don't know what spring's going to bring. And with you, you know, if for some reason you would have had prevented plant this year, you didn't have anything invested. It would have all carried over, and then you can put a little more on later when things look better, and now here you are at the wide drop stage, and you know you've got a shot at pushing that, but you didn't have to make that decision last November. You've been able to make it at each stage of the growing problem. Do you find great value in that? I do, yes. The, the flexibility is worth millions to us, the ability to decide July 1st that, yep, we, we got to rain our corn crop, that we thought a week ago was only going to be a hundred bushel at best. It's got a drink and now we're able to shoot for, you know, 180 or 200 bushel or, you know, just depending on what mother nature provided up till now, it gave us the option to, to change our plans as the weather changed. Uh, that's, that is huge to us to be able to, to allocate those dollars to when we need them versus putting it all on in October, November and, and just hoping. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, Andy, I really appreciate your time. I know you're you're running that wide drop. You know, a lot of hours. How many hours a day right now you're running that that machine wide dropping? Somewhere between eighteen and twenty every day. So, what are you doing in your spare time? Uh, I sleep for a couple minutes every night. <laughs> you're you're wasting it sleeping. Okay, that, that's that's yep. cool. I get that. We appreciate you, man. It's great to have you on the team. I appreciate you sharing with other people here. For those of you who are interested, you can reach out to us at 641-919-1206 with a text or in person. And if we can do something to help you, we appreciate all the listeners. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. And we really do hope you guys are having a better day. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.